Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. All right, and we're back with the show. I'm Zach. And I'm Andy. And we have a guest on today. So we did the virtual thing uh-huh. with the mayor of Central Park. Yes, Ron Romano. We could talk about him for a very long time, but we're just going to briefly give him a setup because he has a very interesting segment for us all about the world majors. Yeah, so Ron Romano ran all six in one year. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is the thing. Six star is when you run all six world marathon majors that's the abbott world marathon majors so all six period across your career you get what they call the six star but he did them all in one year yeah and he's on round two for it so uh this disruption has kept him uh from getting it sooner than he would but he is still considering doing them back to back to back to back Lots of crazy. He, I can't remember what the numbers are. He said five marathons in forty-eight days or something like yeah, that this so fall, fall twenty twenty. It's likely he'll be going for that. Crazy. Which is amazing. So we actually have like a complete bio on him right before the interview, so you have some background on some of the things he's going to talk about and why we just introduced him as the mayor of Central Park, uh-huh. which is not a real thing, by the way. There is no such thing. It as is the a real thing now. Mayor of Central Park. Okay. Well, you'll find out more about that in a moment. But before we get to that and the incredibly interesting conversation about all of the marathons you're all very interested in, we have a couple of things from the world of running. First and pertinent to many of you, because of conversations that I or Andy have had with you, um, Grandma's Marathon, which was scheduled for the end of June, just announced cancellation as well. Mm -hmm. So the reason why that's pertinent is because I spoke with a number of people and Andy's been interacting with a number of people who have talked about the races being canceled and thinking about still running a race before uh, their, their training cycle ends, the current one that they're in. And many were looking at grandmas as a possible fallback. Um, And now we can know for sure that's not an option. Mm. So a bummer yeah so there's been a lot of people doing virtual races and i've been trying to find you know people that are getting prs which there's a lot of you out there doing that so if you are just like i I need a race i need to show up for this fitness cycle because i'm feeling good yeah do it and let us know about it that's great but even more global Yes. So now we have the Olympics that are postponed until July 23rd of 2021. 2021. So they did actually schedule it. We knew Mm -hmm. they were going to postpone it to next summer. They scheduled it. Mm -hmm. July 23 will close on August 8th. So this is almost exactly a year later. So the last thing that we wanted to do for the world of running right now is the banner headline when we sat down to record this on Runner's World was um, something like 18 races that you can watch for free that are like great weight races to watch. And we just wanted to mention a couple of the highlights that we found when we were scrolling through these. By the way, you've got to go to this page because if you're just looking for like, I want to be inspired or I just want, you know, because no one's competing right now. But there's some epic races to watch here. And we wanted to share a couple of our favorites with you. Yeah, right there's, so there's Shailene. She's winning the New York Marathon and also Dez winning the Boston Marathon. Those yeah. races are both on there. It's on there. So we've talked a lot about Donovan Brazier here, both because he's local in West Michigan and because he's just simply a stud at the yes. 800 meters. Um, well, they've got uh, when he set the 
800, I think it was the Indoor American record. Um, don't check me on that because I can't remember exactly what the record was. But um, they've got that race, and it's, uh, it's recent. It was just from, from this winter. So American record indoor 800 meters at the Milrose Games. They've got that one on there. Um, they've got uh, the same event we mentioned when um, El Perrier broke the mile indoor record which was crazy mm-hmm. um and then there's one so it, andy if you have some others um we'll come back to them but i just wanted to mention the one that i feel like is for me it's like the highlight of american distance running in the modern era because of what they did so this was the 2017 world championships in the steeplechase and it was emma coburn who took the gold and i'm telling so you that exciting. because that's in the heading so it's a giveaway but i don't want to say anything else about it and you should not read any of the article just watch the race so first the reason why this is important is because the steeplechase is owned by the kenyans like they literally almost always win every medal in every steeplechase race except when emma coburn and company showed up in the 2017 world championships and did something no one expected, no one ever would have predicted, and uh, struck fear into the hearts oh, yeah. of steeplechasers well, everywhere. And Abba Coburn's been showing up since then, and so have other American steeplechasers. So, got to keep an eye out well, for no, those. Yeah, she medaled in 2016 yeah. in, the, in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. It was no surprise that Emma Coburn could do great things. But what she did and how it went down is, wow, you got to watch that race. It's crazy. Okay. And I used to run steeplechase, so it's a little bit nearer and dearer to my heart for that reason, too. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. It's a brutal race. And Alan Webb, we got to talk about Alan Webb. You can watch his amazing American record going down. Yep, Alan Webb, when he set the American record in the mile, which was an insane run. And then personally, the Dave Waddle 800 meters in the 1972 Olympics. I just love it because of the hat that he's wearing in the race. You've got to see this hat. So don't miss that one. Dave Waddle, 1972 Olympics. And so many other good ones. But, you know, we got to get on to this interview that we've got here for you. So uh, plenty of things uh, to see and remember in the world of running. And, of course, we'll try to keep you up to date on some of the decisions that come out and come down that might affect us and our sport upcoming as well. We are so excited to introduce to you Ron Romano. He's the host of Run Chats with at Ron Runs NYC. We have linked to it. He's passionate and he loves this community. So we're so excited to have him on because not only does he encompass the idea of connecting with community, but he also has done something only seven people in the entire world did in 2019. And that's run all the major marathons in one year. In one year, one calendar year. So we're talking about Tokyo in March, and then Boston, London, Berlin in the fall, Chicago, New York City. And he did other races he did. as well. We'll get into that later what? on. Quite incredible. So we're so excited to have Ron on. And I gotta just I gotta give this this one giveaway. His time differential from the first to the last in terms of fastest to slowest of this these marathons was right about three and a half minutes. That's incredible. Six marathons in three and a half minutes spread of times across varying degrees of difficulty mm-hmm. in courses. And back to back races and traveling and, and his everything times that goes into it. Were not slow. They it wasn't fast. like he was intentionally just running long run pace for these marathons. No, he was going out and running marathons. 
Wow. So th this was this was the kind of conversation that just fired me up again. And I think, you know, I kind of needed it. I'm still in an injury situation right now, so I'm not even running at the moment. So I definitely needed it for that. But also just, you know, it, during this time, I needed to talk to another runner and just mm -hmm. hear their passion. Oh, yeah. And we did. We got that. And we captured it for you because we think you probably need that too. Mm -hmm. So listen to Ron Romano fire us up as he talks about six world marathon majors in one year. All right, Ron Romano here with us, and we we just talked with you for your podcast. So this is this is kind of fun because we got you know the your side of things and kind of the way you were operating, talking about us, and now our side of things and talking about you. Um, and and we think that ours is a more interesting interview, by the way, because you're you. a more interesting subject <laughs> than we are. <laughs> I think you make it you make everything interesting, Ron. Absolutely. So we've got plenty here to talk about, but before we do, just uh, you know, an absolute thanks to you for taking the time and being willing to come on the show. Oh, please. It, I, this is such a blast and we had so much fun last night. So really appreciate the opportunity to uh, return the favor. Definitely. Maybe we should make this like a, a regular thing recurring here periodically or something. <laughs> I like it. It's, it's a three-man booth on Zoom. I like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so, you know, the big, the big topic. So there's a lot to talk about if we just wanted to talk about Ron Romano. But uh, we wanted to focus in for a little bit here on this conversation um, about your six-star experience specifically all six majors in one year. And that was the calendar year 2019, correct? Correct. Yes. Awesome. What an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. First, first question, just as you think about the emotion of it, what, what, did, what did it feel like to achieve it? It was, um, it was a remarkable experience. Um, and like any big goal that you ever set, and both of you have run in the Olympic trial, so you certainly know what it's like to go after a huge goal. Um, a friend of mine uh, on another podcast, Steve Siston, I calls them big, hairy, something else goals, but, you know, crazy goals that are just so hard that you think I can never really do this. And I remember when I put it out there, because I kind of like to share my stuff on Instagram and I've got a good following there and Strava and other places like, hey, I'm, I was going to go after this. I, I wonder how many people like really thought I could do it. And then you get the closet people that are like, oh, he thinks he's going to do it. <laughs> I'm like, I never thought anything. I just put it out there that I got into each of these races. I qualified for a bunch. I had to use charity for London. Mm -hmm. um, and basically the path was laid before me. And I thought, what an amazing opportunity to show people that an older dude, as somebody at 58, could rock six races. But in my mind, that was only a small part of it. I wanted to go out there and show people that I could be really consistent and I could show up and not just go out there and just finish these races. I had a, a much bigger plan in mind, but that really didn't kind of come to be until it started to unfold a little. So, so what was that? What was that consistency? What, what did that goal and accomplishment end up being? Well, when we got to Tokyo, um, and just for the, the followers of your pod from A to Z, I mean, Tokyo is like one of those once in a lifetime experiences. Um, now been to Japan twice and I had a chance to explore the temples and the shrines and they're a remarkable country. And to set foot on a marathon course and to run 26 miles where there is literally no debris, there is not a single yeah. paper cup on the course, there are no gel packets on the course. It's both amazing and beautiful and takes your breath away. It also kind of embarrasses you on some level as a human that we can't figure out. And I don't just mean Americans because there's so many other races that we're taking part in. I'm in Berlin and I'm in, 
you know, these other races around the world. And you just, you just want to take your hat off and be so proud that they can put this incredible race on and the volunteers can work and the runners too, because you yeah. feel that responsibility as a runner, you're competing and you see these clean streets in front of you. How dare you throw a Morton gel packet on the ground? That would just be <laughs> right. sacrilegious. So I think yeah. that's yeah. one amazing takeaway from Tokyo and just the, remarkable difference in the con the country and the culture and just how spectacularly beautiful it is and how polite everyone is. And mm-hmm. even if they don't speak English, it's just remarkable. So I would so highly recommend it. And that was the first stop on the journey. And once I got that under my belt and I got hypothermia big time, uh, <laughs> the last, I don't know, five to six miles, I was kind of really struggling, you know, had a little double vision and not making the best decisions because I just was frozen from the start. But when I got across the line and I managed to get through a 317, I just thought, hey, if I can run 317 and it was like 317.01 or 317.02, if I can run that when I was kind of, you know, really not having all my faculties, I'll, I'll shoot that as my bar to be somewhere right around there for all six races. And that didn't start, that wasn't the, the plan, but that became the plan after that race was on the board. Mm-hmm. So what did they do about hydration? Did they have those dissolving packs you know, those, or, or how did they do that? London, London had those. Okay. Um, they have a, a drink called Pocari Sweat, which is a version of like a Gatorade. Um, you won't find it. You know, there are some Asian markets in the States where you can get it. And I think you probably get it on Amazon, but it's not readily available. It might be a little more readily available in like Asian community stores or Asian markets. Um, but I find it fine. I enjoyed the drink. It was readily available. There's lots of tables. Um, but they also, you know, for your listeners that have not run Tokyo yet, there's very different rules. It's very strict. You're not allowed to bring any sort of hydration packs of any kind. Oh, wow. You're not even allowed to bring water bottles, empty water bottles. You're not allowed to, the rules are really strict. And mm-hmm. the website does a tremendous job of laying it out. It's, it's, it's certainly shown dis- and displayed in pictures and graphics. Hey, this is the way it works. If you bring the stuff in, they're just going to take it from you. So as a runner, it is something you have to think about. Each race that you tackle along the way, uh, for example, in Berlin, you know, jumping ahead, which would be the fourth race in the series, Berlin has a beet drink as their electrolyte replacement drink. And it is a hardcore beet drink. It's not like when you go to the juice bar and you have an awesome beet shake mixed in with other things that taste good. This is a beet drink where, yeah, lots of people were doubled over out there on that course. So my first experience with Berlin, this this year when I did all six in a row was my second experience. I found out that you could have your own personal hydration bottles. And mm-hmm. anyone, the way at Atlanta, you're able to, Andy, as an elite, you know, as, as uh, runners in the trials have their own bottles, you're able to prepare your own bottles. So that's a perk of Berlin that you certainly don't have at any of the other marathons. And that's open to anyone. If you that's just incredible. follow the rule and you turn your bottles in and you put some fun markings on them, like everybody had to do in Atlanta because <laughs> like a zillion bottles on the tables, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was interesting. Absolutely. So, well, so you just skipped ahead a little bit. What was stop number two then? Well, stop number two is Boston. Mm-hmm. And um, Boston was... Amazing as always. Uh, it was my seventh Boston. I had the opportunity. I've actually run in the 100th Boston Marathon. So the wow, 99th, yeah. which was in 1995, was my very first Boston. And in 1996, I ran my fastest Boston. I ran 241 there. And I came wow. were 40,000 runners in that race. And I came in around 400 something place, 430th. Because that was the first time in the history of the race they opened it up and they had a lottery. 
So Boston, to me, will always have my heart. It will always be the most special place, being able to compete in that race and train like you both did for an Olympic trials and feel like I was competing at that level of race. And this year was super special for me because my son took a break from college and came down with one of his old uh, cross-country teammates from high school, and they were out on the course and saw me a couple times on the course and hung out before the race expo and walked around and just got a chance to just feel that amazing energy walking around Boylston Street and going in the Heinz Convention Center and meeting all my crazy running friends. And right. I sounds like, Dad, how do you know all these people? Or better yet, how do they all know you? I'm like, yeah. I have no idea. You know, it's, it's one of those things. So I just that, made, tell her- that made Boston special. And, and that yeah. was also my fastest of the races. It was a warm day, but I think I, I ran 313 and change or whatever there. So that was nice. my best, yeah. best outing of the six. That's awesome. fabulous. I should let our listeners know that Ron is known as the mayor of Central Park because he makes the running scene happen in the city of New York. So I just want to put that out there. So the fact that Ron knows a lot of people when he goes to a lot of races is not super surprising to me. I love yeah. that. And I'll, I'll also just add that that nickname was, was, was hard-earned and well-earned. And if you ever come to the city, you just have to hit me up on Instagram and find me, Ron Runs NYC, and just send me a PM and say, you're coming to town. And I'll meet you anytime. And if I can, if I'm out of town, I'll make sure I find some people from local running groups to, to show, you the, show you the ropes and show you the best parts of the city. And of so. course, we'll have all of Ron's information on our blog post. So make sure you go and follow him there and you'll see his podcast link as well. So you'll get to know all about Ron and connect with him. Yeah, definitely. So Boston stop number two. So you, you, you're in Tokyo and then you go to the exact opposite side of the world, back to the States. And then it's, I mean what's the time differential here? It's like four weeks later and then you're in London, right? Yeah, actually. So time-wise, um, in 49 days, you start off, you, I did Tokyo first. 14 days after Tokyo, I ran the New York City half oh. and pretty much all my teammates from Central Park Track Club were like, dude, are you out of your mind? You just ran Tokyo. You're, it's not even two weeks. The time tra- I'm like, oh, I'll run it. And you <laughs> know what? I ran 128 high. You know, my wow. leg speed was still there. Nice. And Part of this is like, how do you maintain, right? There's no manuals for how you're going to run six majors in one year. And what all these races so closely grouped together. So that kept me moving and it showed me that my fitness and my recovery was strong. And then Boston on a warm day, I was super thrilled with that. And then yeah. London was 13 days after. So 13 <laughs> days after, boom, you're on a plane. And, you know, I probably flew over, I don't know, 10 days after or whatever and got over yeah. there in uh, London. 316, uh, amazing day, perfect weather. You couldn't have had a better weather day. Of all of the six, it was probably the best weather day. Cool, wow. a little bit of rain, misty, no, you know, not humid, amazing crowd support for the runners who haven't had the opportunity to go run London yet. What an, what an experience. Uh, it has that New York City big game feel. Um, you're running through tons of types of neighborhoods, the way Chicago and New York are, where you yeah. feel those different neighborhoods and you feel the... Um, you know, as you're running past the Cuddy Shark ship and, you know, all these, you know, landmark historical things. And the crowds are into it, man. It's that same kind of energy you have with New York. The expo's terrific. The race is incredibly well organized. And it's really tough to get into. You're pretty much going to have to do charity. Although this past year, um, Abbott and Wanda together started the World Age Group Championships for Masters Runners. And so now in the future, I was able to earn you know, an opportunity to compete in that race, which will happen this year in London. 
And there are 40 people in my age group. Certain age groups have less, certain have more. I think in the 40 to 44 or 40 to 45, whatever that age group, they might have 80 or 100. But other groups only have 30. Um, But that's another way as for top runners that are listening to your A to Z show. If you're a master's runner and you're competitive, you only have to post two results in an Abbott major, but you have to place high enough amongst your peers in those races to earn enough points to get in. And that would be a way you'd be able to run London without going the charity route. Oh, that's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. That's some great information. Cause I don't think that people really know that like you were saying. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Well, it's, it's, it's so new. And I mean, think about it. It's so super cool. Um, you know, they're going to have backpacks, you know, you got all the cool swag Andy, at, at uh, the trials, you know what that's like. And Zach, you did when you're out in LA. So, you know, when you get those things, that's like once in a lifetime stuff, you get an Olympic trials backpack or you get your badge and your and your swag, you're pretty pumped. So we're, yep. we're all just hoping that will take place. And, you know, if I'm going to run, it sets up this year, it'll be five and 48 days. I'm going to run five and 48 days. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be competing at the top of my age group, but you know, it doesn't, we'll yeah. just see at this point, all bets are off, right? Yeah. We'll, just, yeah. we'll focus on what we can, which is very little, you know, let's live in the moment day by day. Like we said yesterday, we're all living groundhog day right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So there you are uh, three down. And yes. it's May and you, you get the summer break. That's kind of, you know, that seems to be the only respite for the whole thing because then you're right back at it in the fall. So um, those three are pretty, pretty much the same kind of proximity to each other than the first three, right? The second uh, they're, they're tighter together in the back half. So in the back half of the fall, it's three and 35. So it's Berlin, Chicago, and New York. Um, and they're tight. Uh, Berlin and Chicago are 14 days apart. New York, 21 days. So there was your 35. Nice. But what did I do to keep things spicy? Oh, great, I, ran the, I ran the Brooklyn half again, I think 14 days after London. Not as fast as New York City, but I did go sub 130. So I was very happy with that. Um, but that wasn't enough. A friend of mine, um, um, Kate Powerty, who's an awesome runner, um, someone I get to do some training with, and we hang together. She won the JFK 50, and she was one place behind Sarah Hall in Boston this year. I think she ran 238 in Boston this year on a warm day, so she had a great day there. She's been challenging me to do an ultra for years, and she's like, oh, come on. When are you going to do it? You can't run 50 miles. You know, you can do it. So she talks me into running a 50-miler with like 10,000 feet of vertical, and it was in June. So that was, it was really no break. There was no no break break for me at all, or maybe it was like the end of June, but I really... I had no break, but I think in some weird way, it just allowed me, and I did take days off. Sometimes I took a whole week off. I just went completely by how my body felt. Mm-hmm. And I think people sometimes don't, don't, don't forget to, when people say, listen to your body, you know, there's only one person who knows how to listen to your body and that's you, right? You're the only one who really knows how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I knew when I was okay to run after two days and I knew when I needed like a little more time. Sometimes it was more mental, but yeah. That, that was how I chose to, I don't know, keep things spicy, keep things moving. <laughs> and then Berlin, when I got over there, I had taken a bunch of lower mileage weeks and just wasn't feeling it. And work was really stressful leading in. Um, big project load, uh, a lot of demanding work. And I figured Berlin was going to be a bomb zone. I figured I was done and my streak was over, like oh, no. not, not over, but I figured I'm looking at a 3.30, something like that. Plus, if they're doing the 50 Ultra, I'm like, oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've thrown this thing. And again, nobody really knew or cared what I'm going to run. We all know that. Nobody cares what you run. The only person who really cares what you run is you or your husband or you know, yeah. maybe your siblings. <laughs> yeah. And I got to Berlin and we had a perfect rainy day. 
and I ran 315. And I was like, <laughs> if I can run 315 without even doing my normal level of training and with all these other races behind me, I can't let this go now. I have to yeah. stay. My hashtag is stay in the fight. You know, the yeah. Goggins thing, the sign. I gotta, I've got to grind this thing to the end. I've got to, I got to grind this thing out. So uh, Berlin, for the listeners who haven't been there, phenomenal country to visit. Amazing, spectacular race. The expo is in an old airplane hangar. I mean, it's just something out of a movie. I mean, you're out on the, right. on the airstrip and there's old planes out there and the expo is kind cool. of inside there. So that's just super cool. Great food, um, great bars to go hang out, people singing and having a good time and fun. And uh, it's just a tier garden park reminds me a lot of Central Park in many regards um, where you can just walk around and just be outside. And they do some great stuff. Um, two years ago when Kipchoge was there, they did an event. And my friend who's also a podcaster, Cloud259, Greg Lemelstein, um, he has press credentials because he's also a photographer as well as a podcaster. And he had a chance to get us invited to this event. And we were up on the rooftop with Kipchoge <laughs> right out there and by the Brandenburg Gate, which yeah. is just this iconic historic spot. And this, the, the screens are like Times Square. They're like 150-foot screens. Mm-hmm. And I'm up there like I'm a photographer. <laughs> and I'm like five feet from Kipchoge. And I've got pictures with all the elites and I'm taking <sighs> pictures. And I'm the only person there that is not a press credential person. You know, I've got my iPhone out. I'm shooting pictures and I had a GoPro and Still uh, one, of the most, one of the most memorable days. But Berlin is uh, an amazing course, and we've seen what Kipchoge's done there. And um, last year, um, uh, Bikile, you know, literally almost matched him. What, two or three seconds? Two seconds. Two um, seconds. So they're going to they're gonna square off in London, and it's going yeah. to be epic. So Absolutely. Berlin is great other than their crazy beet drink. So I just give warning to everybody. So if you don't <laughs> want anything to do with that drink, but you just need to show up, and you can just put your own bottles. You know, I had a friend of mine, Allie, um, from New Jersey who ran her fastest race and she went to a store and just put like kids stuff on it, you know, like sparkles and all kinds of fun stuff. And these were regular water bottles, just wanted to make them stand out because, you know, went on the tables, as you know, Andy or, or um, Zach, it's not easy finding your bottle, you yeah, know, right. when they're mixed in with all those other ones. So whatever you can do to decorate them is great. But what, a, what an awesome perk as you know, a regular age grouper that you have that opportunity to have your own fluids, whether you use Morton or Gatorade or, you know, any other type of drink, you have that option. Yeah, that's really something, you know, it, when you, you mentioned it with uh, the age group championship thing for London too. Um, I think when, when anyone has the opportunity to see kind of more of the experience that, you know, some of those higher athletes just kind of get wherever they go. Um, you know, a lot of us just don't get opportunity to experience that in many ways. So it's, it's neat that there are some of these kinds of things sprinkled into the, the marathon majors, you know, they do a great job of having unique flares in each of the races, but, uh, you know, As trying they to should. Make they're hard to get into. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's nice that there's a few perks. I think it's, I think it's a good point. And I think Abbott definitely needs to be applauded for what they've done and how they built this thing. It's masterful marketing mm. and they're terrific at creating these opportunities. And also the, the big sneaker companies and the brands are just getting better and better at it because they're, they're pushing that openness with their athletes, whether it's Nazalie, Kipchoge and those guys were running every single day in the park and they'll hang out and take selfies with you all day long. I've met him a bunch of times. He's just 
we're in a we're a unique sport like that. Um, yeah. Very rarely can you go up and meet a concert pianist and go hang out with him after he's played at, you know, Lincoln Center or Carnegie Hall. That doesn't really happen. And if it does, you're probably paying a hundred thousand dollars for your seed and yeah. you know, donating millions of dollars. But you know, or you're not going to go hang with Derek Jeter, you know, at a Yankee game, you know, unless you're you know Jay Z or somebody. So that's the uniqueness of our sport. Yeah. But Berlin is also a crazy fast course too. So you got to get to Berlin. Awesome race. Make that happen. And then from Berlin, where do we go from there? Chicago, where Andy uh, rocked it. There she it is. like torched me in that race, man. She was like showered back in her hotel room, no. doing all kinds of fun stuff. You were probably on your second course of your meal. And I was out there, you know, slogging my way through, trying to get it done. <laughs> You're funny. That's right. Andy was actually trying to clean me off the, the pavement with a spatula after that run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, you, you know all about how great Chicago is. Oh, yeah. that's a great, that's a great race. Fabulous. Incredibly well organized, the fastest course around. And I don't think you can beat it for organization. Their aid mm -hmm. stations are, in my opinion, they're the best of any major race. I mean, they, they space their water and their Gatorade out on opposite sides of the street. You know, it's so easy to decide where you want to get it from. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge thing in races. Yeah. Fuel is yeah. really important. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's something I didn't, didn't really learn in my late 30s when I was running my best times. You know, I, no matter how many miles I was cranking, you know, that last two, two miles, maybe 2.3, you know, it wasn't even the last 5K. It was less than that. That's where mm -hmm. I'd really struggle. And I still was doing all right. You know, maybe I'd run 650 or 7 flat, but I was leaving a lot on the table. And you know what? We didn't know about fuel back then, Zach. You're, you're an analytical guy like me. You're a geek. We just, yeah, Gatorade was out there in water. You drank it. Yeah, right. you know, gels right. had just come out, but I was like, what is this? I'm not, what is this stuff? <laughs> I don't know what this stuff is. Yeah. You know? And we didn't have the science geeks around like McMillan and everybody telling us exactly why we needed it and what it was going to do. Right, so, right. But we can't turn the clock back. Yeah. Um, well, you know, so for Chicago, everyone always talks about uh, kind of the dead zone you experience after, you know, crowds upon crowds throughout almost the entire race. And then you get to like, it's just after 10K to go and it just kind of cools off and you, you enter like a three mile stretch where you're south of the city, south end of the city, and it just kind of gets sparse. Um, it gets windy back in there. Um, and you were five out of six for your marathons for the year with an ultra under your belt and a couple of half marathons to boot. Um, how did, how did that dead zone feel for you? Well, I think, uh, Chicago was the one I worried about the most. So I'm glad you, you brought it up cause I don't want to skip over it in the, in the progression because Berlin, I surprised myself. I didn't think I ha I'd have much left in the tank. And then, you know, I was figuring what's going to happen to me here. Am I going to, am I going to, fade down the stretch or am I going to be able to stay strong? Yeah. And again, my, my buddy, Greg Lemostein, he just rolls up on me. I don't know, maybe around 10 K in. I'm trying to remember exactly where, but you know, just pats me on the shoulder, huge guy, way taller than me, scared the crap out of me. I'm like, what the heck? And you know, we didn't run that many miles together, but I have to tell you, it just, it just breaks it up. And you know what that's like, Andy, you were talking about getting into a group and not looking at your watch, not having a watch on it helped me to, it just chopped that race down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that people know that I'm doing this thing. I'm doing all six and I'm out there and people are like, Hey, it's Ron runs. I want to see go, you know, I'm getting cheers. And I know a lot of the runners that are in the race too. So no matter what level they're at, I'm always seeing somebody, somebody's out there for me. And it just made a difference. I also ran that race for American Cancer Society. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom's had lymphoma for like 25 years. And, you know, I've had a lot of people like all of us, everyone's affected by cancer. There isn't a person that you'll ever meet in this world that hasn't had, 
you know, been affected at some point in their life. And I just thought it'd be nice to do one race where I'm doing some, something for charity, something meaningful to me and to wear their gear that day and have a lot of pink on. And I had the pink vapor flies on and I had names of my mom and people in my life that have been impacted. It just added a completely different element to that race for me and allowed, it allowed me to take the pressure off of my own self, which again, no one cared what, what times I was going to run in those races. And I know that, but in my mind, it meant everything. I had yeah. to show everybody that I could hang tough and running into Greg along the way really broke that race up and then getting into other parts. Great. And then as you mentioned, as it gets into that more desolate area and the wind was really tough, that last 5k, the ACS people were all over the course and it just helped enormously having them yeah. out there. So I wonder if I wasn't running for them, I don't know that I would have gone in the tank at all because I like to consider myself somebody who can really grind and buckle down, but I know it helped me. And every time they gave me that shout out, you know, ACS, you know, go and, you know, go run runs, whatever it helped. And I was able to, I did 315 Berlin. I was 316 in Chicago. So two weeks after Berlin. So I had, you know, put myself in position and also had a lot of friends in Chicago. My first podcast, uh, was out at Chicago and my friend had gone through just an awful battle with um, lung issues and uh, getting something called empyema, which is a severe infection and just had all kinds of tremendous complications in the hospital and scar tissue and oh, no. just a lot, loss of elasticity in her lungs. And she comes back, you know, literally like months after, and she not only goes out there and, and runs a BQ in like the worst <laughs> physical condition you could wow. be in with doctors telling her like, don't run, but she runs a PR. So, wow. um, you know, that race was really meaningful in a lot of ways and just getting a chance to see my friends fly in from all over and hang out with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really, that's, that's really something. Um, but, but you know, it's, it's NYC home turf for you to yes. close it out. And, uh, you know, up to that point, your spread is just under, I mean, it's like just under four minutes from your slowest to your fastest. Yeah. So bringing it home, New York city, what was that like? Well, it's, it's, um, it's when you're in your backyard. For you guys, that's Michigan. And I don't know what your biggest race is that you all roll in out there. But whatever that race is, it's hard to even imagine, you know, what a home court advantage it is. I, New York is by far the toughest course of the majors. I'll debate that with anyone. Sure. It's the toughest. It's the most challenging. But it's also the most spectacular experience of a lifetime. And if anybody listening to this pod has not run New York yet, don't even don't even let me know who you are. I will find you. <laughs> I will I will make you run that race. I will come and get you and be like, hey, oh, what? Oh, need second. That Andy, was not what? a confession. How is Neither this of us happening? That. Okay, remember this pod is audio only, but I can see them on Zoom right now. <laughs> so if you could only see their expressions, I'm coming for both of you. You are running New York. And I don't even care if you're running with me. You're running New York. That's going down. That's going to happen because New Sounds York good. is, it's called the, the greatest block party, the greatest five borough party. There's a lot of wonderful names for it, but mm-hmm. to run through those, you know, disparate boroughs and how different the feeling is. I mean, you have gospel singers, you got rap singers, you got musicians playing <laughs> instruments and, and just, you have different faith groups. It's just, it's a combination and a collection of just people and a melting pot like nothing else. And the race just beats you up running all those bridges and running on all that concrete. And when you get to first Avenue, it's basically like the gladiator times where you come down that bridge and you come around that corner and you hear a crowd erupt that I have tingles on me. My hair is standing on it because that's (laughs) what the reaction's like. And this will be my 10th New York. 
and it's the 50th anniversary race. So these are big things, right? My 10th um, New York, the 50th anniversary. I have friends who've run 22 in a row, 23 in a row. So it's what I'm doing is like nothing compared to them because I didn't have the length of time in the sport they did. And I've had, you know, periods of time off and also started late in the game. But New York is, it's just once in a lifetime. And I run for Central Park Track Club. So we're one of the most prominent clubs. We're super competitive. We had seven runners at the trials. (laughs) And our runners, our teammates that aren't marathoners, are all over the course. And there's a spot where you re-enter Central Park. You run up Fifth Avenue, and it's by far the hardest section of the course. And I warn everyone about it every year, including Gerda Stein, which I talked to you guys about the other night. And I, I say, yeah, you can look at the elevation curve there. It doesn't look like anything. This is where people get broken in this race every year. This is where the elites suffer the most. It's coming up Fifth Avenue for that stretch. It may not look like much in elevation, but if you guys come for a visit, I'll take you there and we'll run it. But it's from running all the bridges earlier. It's from being on the concrete. It's that last incline. And I tell people, we have something called the wall of orange because our uniforms are all predominantly orange. So they're orange and blue, but orange is the the dominant color. And we have the wall of orange, which our runners are just draped, sometimes 100 to 150 deep. On one side, there's two sides there, 90th and 5th where you filter in. And it's just absolutely crazy. And I'll have to share a picture with both of you from there where I am literally screaming like out of my mind. My arm is in the air. It's probably my favorite running picture, although the one I, you had used in the blog for Boston, it's, they're close. It's, it's A and B. But the energy level of getting into the park, for anybody who listens who's ever played a video game before, I, always, I tell people it's the power-up zone. It's where you oh, get yeah. an extra life in your video game. If you've ever played <laughs> Legend of Zelda, and I tell them if you can get into the park, if you make it into the park, the race is over. And they go, no, the race isn't over. You're only at 24 miles. I go, yep, it's over. I just tell them it's over. And I know it's a lie and it, they're not yeah. going to believe me. But every marathoner who's ever earned their, earned their stripes out there, we've all done workouts. We do a two-mile warm-up. We do a hard workout. And we do a two-mile cool-down. So that's what I tell people. I'm like, hey, it's your cool-down. You're in Central Park. The people are so close to you, you can touch them. Ride that wave in. So got, got into the park. Saw my people hand five and high five in, which we couldn't do at this point right now, right? Jeez, isn't that, yeah, isn't that oh, crazy? Yeah, I right. mean, that's all you do. You're high fiving people all day and you're yeah. feeding off the energy. I shared miles with a bunch of different people, but once I got into that park, I was like, yeah, this, this <laughs> day is over. We got this thing. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Incredible. What an accomplishment. Like, I didn't even think about how close those are all together and then all the other things you were doing, like the halves <laughs> and the 50-miler. That's just like, wow, major kudos, lots of respect. Absolutely. So when, when, when you pull it off, do they just like, I mean, they don't just pat you on the back and say, oh, nice, you just ran, you know, you got your six star. Great job. Like, there's more to it than that. Talk to us about it. Yeah. Well, I think for anybody... You know, people, I've seen people that are not emotional at all. They're not like me. Obviously, I'm the emotional guy. <laughs> I'm the extrovert. I'm the, I'm the hugger. I'm the one who tells you I love you. Um, that's just me. I mean, I want to share that with everybody. I think that's why I love running so much because I want to share what I'm, the joy that I have from running with all my friends and people. I want to bring people into the sport and show them just how much amazing energy there is, how much good there is. Mm. But I've seen people that are stoic, that are unemotional, just completely crack, you know, fall apart. Just they can't even put a sentence together. They're getting videotaped by the Abbott people to talk about what it meant to them to accomplish this. Some of them have been trying to finish this six-star journey over six years, seven years, sometimes 10 years. I mean, 
it's, a, it's remarkable because they couldn't get into a race or maybe they stopped running or maybe they got injured or they got divorced or all the things that happened to us in our life, the forks in the road, but they somehow then got pulled back in and said, I want to finish this thing. And it's like, it can be like the holy grail, but yeah. to, um, to get that six star put, you know, around your neck. And, you know, I remember in Tokyo, cause that's where I got my first one last year in the pouring rain. I told you I had hypothermia, but like they started singing. And, you know, you're, I wasn't even in the tent yet. They were singing, man. I was like, I started crying. Man. I was like, <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, there was no, there was no one there. This is not some moment to get on film or I don't have a phone or anything, but I literally, I was just like, thank you all, mm. you know, for what you do. Like, thank you for being out here in the pouring rain and the freezing rain, risking getting hypothermia to make us feel special. And then you go into the tent and for the runners who don't know this, when you go into the tent at whatever race it is, and um, so in my background, it's New York City. So Michael Caparezo is the um, chairman and president of New York Roadrunners Club, which operates the New York City Marathon. And it used to be Peter Chacha before him, and I know both of them really well. So I walk into the tent, and there's Michael Caparezo. So imagine that. You know, you guys are from Michigan. Whoever your major domo person is in running, whoever that might be, imagine walking in there, and that's going to be the person who puts your six-star medal on you, and then you're hanging out with him, who I know already. I mean, that's what, how much better does it get than that? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one of the things Abbott has created. And, and then, of course, at any one of these races, whether it's Tokyo, London, Boston, New York, Chicago, Berlin, wherever you earn your six star, there's a massive party that Abbott puts on for all of those people. So you can go and show up. Maybe you've never danced in your life. You're going to dance that night because you're going to go and you're going to bring your six star and you're going to go meet the people and you're going to get in all the pictures and, and you become one you know, as part of that group and six yeah. star finisher group, which is something uh, they can never take away from you. Mm. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You know, um, it, 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 in trying to kind of just like zoom out a little bit, Ron, and um, you know, the, there's, there's different pinnacles for different people, depending on what kind of runner they are and what degree they're trying to pursue things. Um, and in, in so many instances, the six star thing is kind of an equalizing pinnacle because you can be an Olympic caliber athlete and you can be just trying to not walk across a finish line. Um, you know, you, you can be anyone and that's still that accomplishment, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't change it. And like you said, once you have it, they can't take that away from you. Like that, that's such a thing. And then to do it all in one year, mm, what a roller coaster. Wow. <laughs> that's yeah. incredible. That, that was, a, I think that was the most special thing. And we didn't know at the, at the time, there's no way you know, Zach or Andy, how many are doing it because, you know, there are people that are in through charity. There are people that are super elite, super fast. Yeah. Um, but I ended, you know, you find out cause Abbott does an amazing job with their infographics and their statistics and sharing, you know, what the numbers are and for them to put that stat up there at the end of last year and to see that you're one of seven people in the whole world to seven. do it. And that's just, it's amazing. And, mm -hmm. you know, now, particularly after COVID-19 and the, the enormous impact it's having on all of us and the, the poor healthcare workers that are in the line of fire and yeah. people that have lost lives and people that are sick and job loss and all of the oh, negative right. things that are going on, man, if you don't gain some perspective, you, the, the way you gain perspective in life is by looking back more times than looking forward. We all want to look forward right now. That was your, your last pod. We have to look forward, but you know what? You've got to stay in the moment. You've got to stay in the day so that you don't get overwhelmed by all of this news because it's yeah. so, it's, there's so much grief and it's so overwhelming and it can just, it can suck the life out of you. And, you know, go back 
And think about your, your trials race in 2016, Zach, and think about what that felt like for you and just how, what an experience it is. Or for Andy, for you to be walking around with those credentials on and that badge and be walking around the, <laughs> the lobby, that race, like I will never forget each of those races, there are some moments individually, but you know what I really always come back to is the dinners that I set up with runners from all over at these places and shakeout runs that I set up. That's what I always come back to because yeah. you're part of this amazing energy and you know, so in some crazy way, I feel like that's what I'm here for. That's mm -hmm. my thing to do is just to help connect people with running. Well, what a, what a gift to our audience yes. to be willing to share that story and you know to be able, to be willing to share what it means to you as well ron you know it's 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 something to hear about it just as facts on a page it's something else to hear the story mm -hmm. from the person you know so i appreciate that i think i guess if if we could ask one more question um just thinking about the our audience members out here who are trying to do some of these things and we know that uh, a number of them are running some majors, you know, whether some that have been postponed to this fall or others that are scheduled for the fall, but um, they're running some of those. But I've talked with a few now who are up to like three, four majors and starting to think about, you know, what's it going to take to get five, six? And um, what, what, what can you say to someone as, as you think about just what does it take to prepare well? What does it take to, um, you know, I, I don't know that many of our audience members are going to try for six in one year, but <laughs> that's very unique. <laughs> but even then, yeah. So, um, you know, what, what can you say to someone who's saying, Ron, I want to try to do this too, but what do I need to be thinking about? That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think you always have to, you have to have the long-term view. Like they have to decide which ones are they really going to go for because don't bite off more than you can chew. Like I've been running a long time and I have yeah. a tremendous base of miles under me and, and I'm suited for longer runs. Um, maybe even ultra might be like what's best for me, like for the future, if I you know, continue like evolving on some sort of path. Hmm. But I think strength training is something that runners as a rule probably don't put nearly enough um, of an investment into. And what, for me, strength training is a lot more than it's not just about weights or squats or it's, it's a lot of exercise stuff and positional stuff and it's, it's core work and plank work and push-ups and, and being on the foam roller consistently, using a BOSA ball. It, it doesn't, it's not about a gym membership, all the stuff that's right in my living room. I mean, you can create that stress on your body and do the strength work because let me tell you something, the marathon is all about strength and it's about strength here in your head because without a doubt, any weakness that you have, it will find you out there. We all know that. It will find you somewhere, it, whether it's nutritional, uh, whether your pacing is bad and you go out too hard, uh, or you, know, you just haven't done enough of the long work to be consistent. And I think in my case, I had so many miles on me and I'm suited to longer stuff. I just had to keep myself healthy. Hmm. And I think people think, well, I just finished this one. Now I have to start doing 20 milers again. No, 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 no. No, don't do, don't do silly things like that. Um, so it, in many respects, you can kind of go from one to the next if you're healthy. You know, that's the most important thing. I wouldn't want to see anybody from A to Z or anybody who's in my world get injured because they're trying to do something like that and they, weren't, they were ill-prepared because you've got to, your foundation has to be strong, you have to be healthy. And I just think people need to incorporate more. They need to incorporate more of that strength work because your body will break down if you're not strong enough. Your form breaks down is really, really what it comes down to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's yeah. such great advice. Yeah. Oh, we appreciate it. 
and you, you you know you're you're speaking our you're speaking our language preaching yes. to the choir it's all <laughs> those things we, it warms our hearts to hear you say that too um but this you know that's just it what does it take for a marathon or you know everybody everybody goes out and runs you know they put in the time um but you know in so many ways that's not necessarily enough to ensure the best chance of success mm-hmm. in that in this experience and so mm-hmm. i can appreciate that for sure yeah. Thank you so much, Ron. We could talk to you for days. I feel like. Well, we have <laughs> been. We've been and, talking. And to you. <laughs> here's what you can do. Like if you're, I mean, I'm sure that you all are loving what you're hearing from Ron right now. Well, he has a podcast, so make sure you That's go and subscribe, it. follow him. You can hear him all the time. So make sure that you do that. And thanks again, Ron. Thank you so much. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to talk to your audience and you know, I'm going to make sure that my people are getting over to your blog and getting over to your podcast and following your content because you guys know how I feel about it. You're doing great work and you have wonderful energy and you're sharing really awesome topics and things that runners need to work on to address to be, to be healthy and to be strong and take on these kind of fun challenges. So my pleasure. And anytime I'll have you guys on again as well. So we'll, the book, the, the, Thing we all have to look forward to is when we can all do something in person. So yeah, now that it. I know you're not in New York, that's what I'm going to be working on. So that, well, I'll well, start working start on that already. Here, yeah, right. you better open up New York City on your calendars, both of you, right now. Yeah, well, you know, it's actually uh, November's not occupied at the moment. See, so. See now, I, now I got something to do. Oh no! Uh, hey, well, uh, if uh, if we can't uh, borrow your mantra for a moment, uh, you know, stay in the fight. All the best to you and. Um, you've got you've got a busy fall coming up, so we you know we hope you stay healthy and strong. And we'll be following you, cheering Thank you on. You. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, stay healthy, be safe, and God bless. So what an what an inspiring and and positive experience getting to connect with Ron. And I mentioned it before when we were prefacing the interview, but. Um, I think I needed that in so many ways. Yeah. And then, and then when he said, and actually he, he, you, you heard him say it, he had it on a sign behind him when he said his mantra, right? Stay in the fight. And I'm like, you're right. You know, right now I need to stay in the fight and I can't even run at the moment. So I'm like looking for other ways to stay in the fight. And it's, and it was just really good to hear that from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really motivated me too. And the way that he does so with positivity, it's almost like he fights with positivity and enthusiasm. And I I love that. They're great. Yeah. That's poetic. It is poetic. And I'm excited to connect with him. Hopefully we get a chance to go to NYC and meet up with Ron and go for a run. Maybe the race, maybe not. We'll see. Yeah, listen, we're not committing to running the New York City Marathon this this year. We're not committing to that. That was not what we just did in the, in the conversation. With but Ron. Ron might convince you. We'll see. Maybe we'll Andy. See. Yes. Um, but, you know, that's that was great to hear from him. You know, like, let's get connected. And uh, he mentioned, you know, anyone who's in New York City, reach out. And if he can't run with you or he can't, you know, get the group together that you could run with, he knows everybody. So he knows everybody. That's, that's great. And also remember that he also has a podcast. So make sure you click on the link in the blog associated with this podcast, which is a to z running.com slash episode 27. That's it. So much inspiration. If you got to listen to it a few times over, I don't blame you. Maybe it'll get you through the week. Mm -hmm. Until next time.